please turn with me to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 1 through 7 is our study. We're going to focus this day on verses 6 and 7. <clears throat> Let us pray, and then uh, we'll read our text. Father, I pray that our hearts are set in desperation for you. Father, I pray that we understand your word is what sustains us. It is your word that nourishes us. Father, I pray that it would be your word that we cherish. Father, we come now understanding with our brother Paul who's adequate. And yet, Father, even as we are but earthen vessels, you have poured yourself upon us. You have poured yourself in us. And we are these clay pots with a precious treasure inside. Father, may we have a heart to run the race that is before us. May we have a zeal to fight the good fight. May we have the perseverance from heaven to stay the course. Father, we beg you, may we keep the faith. We are focused upon a crown of righteousness that is laid before us as a reward. Father, teach us this time. Teach us your way. Teach us your will. But Lord, teach us in the power of your spirit and the heart of your people. To you and you alone, my King. Amen. <clears throat> Beginning at verse 1. Now, concerning the things which you wrote, it is good for a man not to touch a woman, but because of immorality, let <clears throat> each man have his own wife, and each woman is to have her own husband. The husband must fulfill his duty to his wife, and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Stop depriving one another, except by agreement for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer and come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. But this I say by way of concession, not of command. Yet I wish all men were even as I am myself. However, each man has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. Okay? Good stuff. Good stuff. But what you need to look at is the fact that in verse 1, He's beginning to answer some questions that the church in Corinth has asked him. There's four questions that the church in Corinth will ask him, and we're dealing with the first one now, and that has to do with marriage. And, and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. But he sets the stage here by explaining the difference between singleness and marriage. And we need to understand that today because there are many today who believe to be married is the best way. All right, some will tell you to be single is the best way. And yet, I believe this text makes it very clear that they are both good. 
We have a society that, um, and I'm going to call it the church society. I'm not sure about the uh, where the world is, but believes that if you're a single person, why aren't you married? I don't understand why you're single. What, you got bad breath? What's up with you? You can't find anybody? Have you got some kind of personality quirk that makes you intolerable? And yet the Apostle Paul is telling us that either one is good. There's nothing wrong with either one. Uh, And there's no spiritual virtue one versus the other. And that's what he begins to deal with. And we've looked at that because in verse one, he says singleness is good. All right, because he says here, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. And that word touch has to do with the sexual intimacy, meaning that it's good if you're single. There's nothing wrong with it. It's good. It's good. But there are some problems with it. And, and I want to deal with that today because um, some fascinating stuff is seen in Scripture that we as humans, we as Americans today, are definitely not going to like what is shown to us in the Bible. All right, And uh, I'm not apologizing for what Scripture says, but I will give you a heads up that the Word of God shows us for what we are. Uh, that tends to be an irritant. Verse 2 says, because of immoralities, each man should have his own wife and woman should have her own husband. Why? Because there's temptations out there. There are things that come into our lives that are tempting us. Uh, The church in Corinth was dealing with it uh, to the same degree that we are today. Uh, In the church in Corinth, in that age, that time, there were four basic ways to be married. One was tent companionship, meaning that you and the woman were slaves to an owner and you wanted to be married And the the master said that you can have the same tent together, all right? At any given time that the master chose to sell you or both of you, even to different places, he had that privilege. He could literally sell you to someone else. Um, The other part was uh, common law. Basically, if you lived together for a year, you could take the other one's name and would have the rights that were there for married people. There was arranged uh, weddings, which meant that the father would make out some kind of financial agreement for the daughter. Uh, and in that agreement um, is would be solidified uh, upon uh, the giving of the, the young woman. And then what was known as the noble wedding, which was uh, Roman citizens would take a vow and that's where you see our wedding cake came from, the ring on the third finger, left hand, um, the, uh, the veil, the flowers, the whole things literally comes from a pagan ceremony. Sorry, um, but that's the way it was. Here's what happens. There's also a huge feminist movement in Corinth, and actually the Greek peninsula, and there was also huge uh, homosexual um, Movement, I guess, if that's what you want to call it, in the Greek uh, peninsula. All of these people would walk into the church and get saved at different times. But here's what happens. The same thing that happens today. We come strolling in with our preconceived understandings, our preconceived wisdom, our preconceived philosophy. 
Um, it, I, we get it today. I get it a lot more, especially this time of year. People calling and asking, do I do weddings? Why would you want to get married in a church? I, I, and I asked that question. Do you attend a church? Do you, I know you don't attend this church. Uh, and and it's, some people have, you know, problems. But, you know, I was reading a statistic that was just heart-wrenching uh, for America today. Do you know that one out of two people in America today are divorced? That's 50%. Do you know that every year there are as many people divorced as there are people married So what do you do? What do you do when this person strolls into the church and under the power of the Holy Spirit they come to salvation? And that's what the Apostle Paul is dealing with. He's already got on them about their philosophy, their wisdom, and their understanding. That if you try to bring that in and blend it with Christ, you will not get a pure understanding of Christ. You will actually tarnish it. And that's what he's dealing with. And in our lives today, there are temptations everywhere. He makes that statement. He says, because of immoralities, he's not dealing with immorality. He already did that in chapter 5. But he's dealing with the fact, because there are temptations out there, because of your immoralities that are out there and the society that you live in, get married. That's what he says. Get married. Why? I'll deal with that in a minute. Okay, six biblical reasons. Here's the test. Dun, 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 dun. Six biblical reasons to get married. Right? Ain't nobody's answering. I ain't answering. That's what he said. I seen him talk. He talked about it the last three weeks, and he's going to give us a test. You will not get through the pearly gates if you can't give the six. No, just kidding. Okay? <laughs> She's in. <laughs> okay? One, purity. Purity. All right? Two, picture. It's a picture of... Christ and his church. Three, partnership. Four, provision. Matt's studying. You're getting married, are you engaged or what? <laughs> Fifth, pleasure and procreation. All right? Listen, if you're planning on getting married or you're thinking about getting married, don't go with the best out of six. All right? You need six out of six. And if not, Wait. All right, but the Apostle Paul, and I'll deal with this, we'll, we'll wrap this thing up because we need to understand this, that being single in our society today, there is a temptation. Uh, I remember talking to Wayne. Uh, they're getting ready to go to Greece with AMG uh, and Spiros Zodiades, and they were in Athens a few years ago. No, it's been more than that, probably about 10 years ago. They were in Athens, okay? And so they wanted to go down and have some heroes on the beach Look at the Mediterranean and rejoice in it. Okay? So they go and they sit. Here you've got Wayne and his associate pastor, the youth pastor, Spiros Zodiades, and all of his people. And Spiros is sitting with his back to the ocean and he's looking at Wayne. And Wayne and them are sitting looking at the ocean, just soaking up the Mediterranean. I had the privilege of looking at the Mediterranean a few weeks ago, about a month ago, and it's beautiful. So he's sitting there and he's getting ready to eat. And he takes this, do you know what a Huros is? It looks like a it's a Greek burrito, okay? Uh, well, that's sort of what it is. He gets ready to bite this, and he literally almost sticks it on his forehead. Literally goes like this because some ladies went walking down the beach. And their beaches are different than our beaches. 
Okay. And he was stunned. And he was thinking, keep Spiros pointed towards us because if he sees us, it's going to kill him. Okay. And that was his big concern. Of course, he's not wanting to look. He's doing one of these. Keep Spiros looking this way. But Spiros doesn't want to look at the, your head. Spiros turned around and had no problem with it. Why? With a name like Spiros Zodiades, where do you suppose you grew up at? Okay. That's not a temptation to him. Of course, Spiros is older than dirt, but we won't go there either. All right, but, but do you understand? Why? I grew up with that. I understand that. That's not a temptation. Okay? Uh, men, when you are got the little clicker thing in your hand, we all have, men have the strongest thumbs in the world. When you're going through the TV trying to figure out exactly what four shows you plan on watching. <laughs> See, men, men can watch four shows at once, women can't. Um, well, what happens when you hit that one station and all of a sudden it just catches your eye for just a second and you stop on it and then you hit it again? Why do you do that? Catches your eye. Catches your eye. Okay? He says because of immoralities, you need to marry. You need to marry. And I'll deal with this more in a minute, okay? But then in verses 3 through 5, he says that singleness is wrong for the married. Well, duh, okay? But see, we don't understand it. I guarantee you, we looked at this last week. It says we need to fulfill our duties to our spouse. When, a, uh, when we become married, we take these vows to love and to cherish till death do you part, sickness, health, wealth, and prosperity, and whatever other than things are that we say, but do you understand that as soon as you marry, you give all authority of your body to your spouse? That's what the text says. Okay, and now it's my responsibility to my spouse to fulfill whatever it is she desires, period, physically. That's the text. Right, so when we enter into the relationship between a man and a woman, we, we, we always talk about the two are one, it's give and take, this, that, and the other. It's not. Marriage is not give and take. Marriage is give, period. Biblically. That's why when I gave you the six reasons to marry, you better have all six. Because if you don't have all six, give and take will become an issue. And it's not biblical. He says, you fulfill your duty to your wife, likewise, uh, wife to her husband. Why? The wife does not have authority over her own body, and the husband does. Period. That's where it is. And it isn't a matter of, well, what are the qualifiers? If, in the exception, that some God has laid on your hearts something to pray about. Some of your texts may say fasting. Fasting and prayer uh, tend to be hand in hand at times. But the only time that you are to uh, deprive one another is when God has laid on both of your hearts something to be in prayer about. You can't go home tonight and sweetie comes up and whispers sweet nothing in your head, in your ear and you tell her, I need to pray. Ain't that happening. Why? If she hasn't got the burden, you made yours up. Why? There's only one Holy Spirit. All right? One Holy Spirit. And he's in both of you. And he's not going to tell one to do something and the other and all just go ahead and take a nap. That ain't the way it works. Why? Because here's what happens. 
There's, you do this for a time, and then he says you come back together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. What's lacking in the, in, in the humans? Self-control. Self-control. One of the reasons to marry is for your own purity. Why? Because we have a lack of self-control. All right? But then we move into verses 6 and 7. But this I say by way of concession. Concession. Uh, some texts translate it confession. Uh, some translate it permission. Okay? The verb form of this word is to think the same as someone else and to agree then to yield to it. All right? In extra biblical writings, I found this in Maccabees 14.31, and the word is translated, I am aware of it. I am aware of it. All right? So Paul is saying in verse 6, by this, I am aware of what you're doing. This is not a command. All right, now let me show you something. Stick, stick your finger right there in, in 1 Corinthians 7. And I need you to read another text. Al read it to us. And I want, I want to show you something here. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. Okay, now I, want, I just want to keep this one here. Remember, I am aware of something here, the apostle is saying. He says, I am in agreement with something. Yield yourself to it. Right? What's he saying? Well, think, think with me for a minute. In verse 5, he says, For this very reason, right, what very reason would that be? Well, that'd be 3 through 4, 3 and 4. All right? For this very reason, apply with all diligence. Do you understand what it means to apply with all diligence? Put some energy into it. Work at it. It can't be one of these cursory, I thought about this for a second, things. All right? With all diligence in your what? Faith. In your faith. Why? My faith says that I have everything pertaining to, pertaining to life and godliness that comes through the through, true knowledge of him. Okay? He has also granted to me that I have become partaker of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world by what? Lust. I've escaped that, past tense. All right. How do I know that? Because I have the true knowledge of who he is. And it's all based on faith. In my faith, then, what will happen? I will supply moral excellence. Moral excellence. Why? Well, I have this precious promise that I am a partaker of the divine nature. I have escaped the lust of this world. I believe that. I know that he's given me everything I need pertaining to life and godliness. I already have it. Past tense, Peter is telling us. All right, so moral excellence, to my moral excellence, knowledge, epithumia. I'm going to grow in my understanding. Why? And in my knowledge, what? What self-control, New Testament, is always dealing with your thinking processes. Okay? I am to take almost every thought captive into obedience to Jesus Christ. Is that what it says? You take every thought captive. What happens out of that? If I'm taking every thought captive, then I have moral excellence. In my moral excellence, I have knowledge. In my knowledge, I have what yours says, self-control. Okay? Look at Galatians chapter 5. 
Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. We all know this, or many of us know this text, right? Verse 22. Fruit of the Spirit. Interesting phrase, isn't it? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things. There is no law. Don't you find that interesting phrase? Note fruit. Singular or plural? Why do we always say fruits of the Spirit then? It's not. It is a fruit that manifests itself how? A personal conduct that comes out of what? Agape. Out of my love, I will have joy. Out of my love, I will have peace. Out of my love, I will have patience. Out of my love, I will have kindness. Out of my love, I will have goodness. Out of my love, I will have faithfulness. Out of my love, I will have gentleness. Out of my love, I will have self-control. Out of my love, there is no law. How cool is that? All right, that's not what I was wanting to look at. I want to look at verse 23. Gentleness, and what is the last thing? Self-control. Now, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but this is a contrasting text. The deeds of the flesh, out of verse 19, are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. All right? That is human nature, 19, 20, 21. Self-control is not human nature. It is not natural to men or women. If it was, why do I need a law? Self-control, self-disciplining of my mind is not normal to me. It is normal to me as a child of God. Now then, back to your text. Okay? I say this by way of concession. I say this because I am aware of your human needs. What would that be? A lack of self-control. Why? Look at the culture they lived in. They had a culture that inundated you daily with sexual immorality. We do it. Look at ours. Turn the TV on. Turn our radio on. Uh, One of the Christian radio stations says this one is safe for the whole family. Why? You can listen to just cursory radio. And if your kids are in the car, they're going to be asking you questions that you're going to be uncomfortable answering. Just on a cursory statement that came out, nobody really paying that much attention to what was being said. And it's just common radio. It's not obscene. Okay, it's not. I'm not talking about listening to Howard Stern. Okay, I'm talking about if you were listening to Rush Limbaugh, if you were listening to any of the talk radio shows, there are things that will be said that some parents are going to be uncomfortable to try to explain when the kid says, but what is that? That is our society, brothers and sisters, and it hits you daily. It is just like this all the time on you. I mean, you go through the, I had to go down to the grocery store yesterday. Men in grocery stores, I don't know about the rest of you. Men, I just, why am I in here? 
I don't understand why I'm in there. You know, uh, you just kind of look around, and I was looking for apple juice. And why ain't it where, like, water and pop is? Ain't it liquid you drink? Wouldn't you put it with water and pop? It's all the way down in the other end of the... I don't understand it. Anyway, I'm in this store trying, wandering around, and, you know, and, of course, we don't ask for directions, nor do we look. I mean, that, that's all right. We were made that way. All right, so I'm cruising around in the store looking for apple juice. Uh, and you know that, that sign that apple juice is not on there. Apples. But you know what? It's not even near apples. Anyway, I get ready to go out. Okay, I'm going to check out, right? And I've got my, my apple juice and a couple other things. And I just stop at the, the magazine rack. And I couldn't believe what I was reading. There's a lot of information you can get from a magazine that I just didn't realize you printed it. Amazing stuff. How to charm married people apart. Uh, yeah, that's what I said. I read it. How to seduce a, a, a married man or a married woman. Uh, and there's some other stuff. How to look like this and, and have a picture. And this diet does this to you. And I thought, I could eat that forever and never look like that. Okay. Uh, but that's just a, that's a grocery store. That's a grocery store. And I'm just looking at all this stuff. Uh, well, I'll use this word. It was provocative. Why? That's, where, that's the society that we live in. Because of our lack of self-control, the Apostle Paul says you need to marry. Okay? Paul is saying, when I say everybody getting married, I don't mean I'm commanding you. That's what he's saying in verse um, 6. By way of concession, by way that I am aware of what you deal with. But this is not a command. All right? Uh, he's simply laying it out as the norm. The norm today is to what? To marry. The norm has always been what? To marry. And there are multiple reasons. One of the reasons is the lack of self-control. Okay? Self-control is that thing in my mind. It's not the action it's the mind. I'm going to deal with this in a minute because it's a gift. I want to show you how this works, all right? He's saying singleness is good. Marriage is good. But when you get married, fulfill your marriage. Okay? At marriage, you have given authority of your body to the other one. Okay? But he says, I'm not commanding you that you have to get married. But what he's saying is, the norm is to get married. Because I am aware of your needs, I'm suggesting that this is a good thing. This is a good thing. The only reason you should not get married and fulfill that is verse 7. Each man has his own... Anybody here done a study on uh, spiritual gifts? I bet celibacy isn't one of them, is it? But you know what that word gift there is from God? Charisma. You have the charisma of prophecy. You have the charisma of tongues. You have the charisma of this. You have the charisma of that. There is also a gift of singleness. Singleness. Why? Even as I am. Paul had the gift of singleness, which is absolutely fascinating to me. Mind-boggling to me. Why? 
I believe that Paul was married at one time. And the reason that I say that, Jews believed not to go forth and procreate was a sin. And they actually classified it as a high sin, one of the nastier sins, not to have a wife. I also know that in the readings that I have in uh, some of the Jewish studies is that to be a Pharisee, you had to have a wife. Didn't have to necessarily have kids, but you had to have a wife, which means you were trying to have kids. And anything short of that was sinful. Well, the Apostle Paul was a Pharisee. All right, now the question comes up, what happened to his wife? Some believe that he died, that she died, that there was a death. Um, I don't believe that. I believe if that had happened somewhere in his writings, we'd have been notified of it. I believe that she left him. And the reason is it was his conversion. And this is just purely mine. This, you can take this and, what is it, $4 now and get a Starbucks coffee. All right, and the reason that I believe that, he, that she left him is because a Pharisee was a place of honor in society and would have had all kind of uh, privileges. Um, Paul didn't have any privileges. Right? Now, what is fascinating to me about that is that he says, I have the gift of singleness. And it has to be supernatural. Because the worst torment that I've ever seen is a person who's married who all of a sudden ends up single. And now they have all kinds of crazy longings. And I call them crazy longings because they do become uh, consuming. That's why he says young women who are widowed should do what? Marry quickly. Okay, and if you look at his illustrations, a widow is past childbearing age. That would be a widow. Up until that time, he classifies them as young women. All right, why? been a part of it. Paul says, I have this gift. I have this ability. Now, I want to deal with it a little more, but I want, I want to kind of lay it together. This is a beautiful thought when you think about it. Okay, A lot of people take this chapter 7 and, and get high blood pressure. Why marriage is not a command. It is stressed that marriage is the norm because of the problem of staying pure, purity. And within marriage, the physical, um, that physical uh, part of marriage should be continually dealt with and fulfilled in order to keep that purity. You got that? Don't, I can't imagine a, a spouse allowing temptation of adultery to come into his marriage because he lacked to take care of her physical needs. That's horrifying. You are literally allowing Satan to tear at the fabric of a union that God designed. And you, men, would be responsible for that. That's horrifying. I can't even think of that. So in this staying pure within the marriage, there is a physical relationship in such a way that my body now belongs to her, her body belongs to me, and we should not deprive one another until 
We get set apart for prayer, and we only do it for a time. Don't come up to your wife and say, you know what? God has laid this on my heart, and I think for the next nine years, we should pray about something. Okay? Because I'm going to hear from your wife. <laughs> and don't make me come over. But uh, uh, it's stuff like that that we don't understand that. Part one of the six reasons to get married is pleasure or King James translation, sporting. Backgammon. <laughs> I don't even like backgammon. Okay? It's best to be married and to keep that purity, your own purity. That is that act of self-control. Now, I want to deal with this now. Okay? Self-discipline. Okay? I'm not going to try to say it uh, in the Greek because I, I can't. Um, it absolutely has nothing to do with the physical act. Do you know that? It's not self-discipline staying away from committing adultery. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, thinking about it. See, that's where it all starts. The act has a very long process before you act on your sin. You have the thought first. Now listen, if you're single today, and you're consumed with this thinking process, you're in trouble. You are in trouble right now. I can tell you heads up. Because that's the one that gets you into trouble. It Self-control means I guard it before it ever becomes out of control. Meaning that my thinking processes are immersed in the things of Christ. Everything's immersed in the things of Christ. Um, here's how I deal with it. Not that I'm dealing with immorality or anything like this. When I struggle with a sin, a thought, what did I just do? I gave my mind over. To what? My flesh. My flesh just takes off and leads on a while. That's why when you're doing the channel changing thing, it just stops for a second, a little second longer. I mean, the cooking channels don't slow me down at all. Okay, I can just, I can hook right on through. The, you know, I'm thankful. I, I don't have the 500 stations. Okay, and sports, very, well, sometimes I'm kind of watching the Nuggets. Uh, I give up on the Avalanche and some of the others, but, you know, they'll slow me down. But why is it that if you put a scantily clad woman or man on the screen, that there's a little extra pause? What's your mind thinking about? When you're channel surfing, what's your mind thinking about? There's only one thing your mind is thinking about. Pleasing of your flesh. I mean, it might be sports. It could be football. It could be, I don't think, golf. Um, you know, I don't, I can't watch golf. That's just, I mean. Um, well, I can. Uh, I can watch baseball for a little bit. Uh, but, but you see what I'm saying? What, when you're flipping channels, what are you entertaining? Have you ever thought about if you quit channel surfing, how much more time you'd have in the Bible? Just a question. How about video games? How much more time would I have in the Bible? I'm not against any of this. I've already dealt with the text. All things are permissible. All things are lawful. I shall not be mastered by any. 
I'm just asking you some questions. Why? Because what you exhibit when you are focused on, on, on the television, it could be anything. I mean, it could be television, it could be cars, it can be girls, it can be boys, it can be whatever it is. You are exercising the very thing I claim man doesn't have, and that's self-control. See, the word lust, epitomia, in and of itself isn't wrong, unless I don't have self-control. If I don't have self-control, what do I have? Rampant lust. And I'll lust after, uh, just name it. I mean, humans are kind of amazing. We can laugh. I see people lust after nice yards. Not very many, but I have seen a few. Flowers, uh, the painting of your house. Um, I don't know. You could lust after anything. Why? I get consumed by things. But if I have self-control, then I shall not be mastered by any. The self-control that he's dealing with here is definitely sexual immorality. And it would be rampant in Corinth. But let me tell you something. It is no more rampant than it is here in America today. He's saying there are some like myself, and I wish there were more, Paul is saying. I wish there were more people who stayed with singleness. The only way you're going to stay with singleness is through self-control. The only way you're going to do that is if it's a charisma from God. It's a gift from God. How many times have you seen single people waste their lives, waste the time that they have as single? I did. I I mean, a whole bunch of it I wasted. I know people who are saved right now who are single who are wasting a lot of time. Don't look around. Because if you're quick to look at somebody else who you believe is wasting time, I guarantee you, you should go look in your own mirror. How much time in the things of God do I waste? I remember Hank Smith. You guys remember Hank? He used to amaze, he used to amaze me. He memorized scripture. Uh, and I always told him it was a spiritual gift. I can't memorize scripture. Uh, before Christ, uh, <clears throat> all of my memory cells, I, <laughs> I fouled up. <laughs> <laughs> they're just foul. They're kind of gooey. And stuff just don't stick. What he gives me, I need to give it to somebody right away because I will forget it. Okay? Well, that's fine. It works well for what the Lord's got me doing. Hank Smith used to drive, uh, when he lived here in Castle Rock, he lived up on the Ridge Road, to downtown Denver every day, five days a week, down and back. And I'm, I'm talking about downtown, where if you got to see the sky, you got to look straight up, Denver, that part of downtown Denver. Okay? And I said, how do you memorize scripture all the time? And he used to write out verses on them sticky things, notes, and stick them on his mirror, his rearview mirror. And he had three or four of them stuck on his rearview mirror. And as he drove into town, he'd keep looking. You know, I I don't know. You're supposed to be looking behind you. Some some of us do, some of us don't. Uh, You don't do that in Israel. But uh, uh, he would read these, and that's how he'd memorize scripture, is by reading it off his mirror. What was he consumed with? Things of God. He took the time that God had given him, right? I found myself the other day when I was going through the, well, you know, kind of reviewing this thing to, to teach this. Um, um, one of the banes in Christendom is pre-programmed radio stations. All right, so you know what you're getting. I mean, remember when you had to turn it? Some of you won't. 
It used to be you would turn a knob and it goes and then and then you get a station and it'd be, you know, then you'd go on and then talk and then I'd go on. It used to be you only had AM. We won't even go there, but um, and FM was considered underground. Um, but you used to you, you turn that. But how many times would you do that? Not very often. And then they got really they had a button you could push. All right. Now we've got push buttons and it, you know, get three per channel and all the rest of it. How much time do you waste moving around radio stations? Just a question. Because I found myself using an awful lot of time trying to find something on six pre-programmed stations that wasn't there. I was trying to find something that I wanted to listen to. So I went to FM. I got six more. I got 12 stations and I could move between AM and FM, you know, 12 different selections. And all I was doing is moving between AM and FM for 12 different selections. And I found myself, I did that for 22 minutes. I could have put 22 minutes and prayed. I could have spent 22 minutes and put in a a cassette tape. All my cassette tapes are sermons. So I could have had 22 minutes of the exposing of God's word to my soul. But instead, I took 22 minutes and did this. Come on! And then I tried to rationalize it. I'm in my Jeep. I can't hear nothing anyway. It rattles. (laughs) So (laughs) it didn't matter. So I'm trying to spiritualize what? Wasting time. Or a lack of self-control. Why don't you listen to to what the Lord is saying? Why don't you listen to a man of God Proclaim it. That's self-control. Let's look at our text again. It says here, verse 7, I wish that all men were even as I am. However, each man has his own gift from God. Charisma of God. I, I thought about this, and this is amazing to me because single people, are uniquely prepared and designed and gifted human beings. They are gifted with the Holy Spirit and by the Holy Spirit for singleness. That's amazing to me. Why? What's the norm? To be married. Uh, When I was in Israel last month, uh, there was a young lady who had just graduated from Dallas as a linguistics something. She had her doctorates in language. And she's preparing to go to China to take one of the dialects and translate the scriptures into this dialect. Um, uh, I can't remember her name now. But anyway, um, wonderful, uh, bubbling personality. Uh, I mean, she was uh, pleasing to look at. I mean, she wasn't like a ye type thing. And I, and I asked her, I said, do you have a boyfriend, a husband, uh, or a fiance? I mean, I knew she didn't have a husband. She says, no. And I said, oh, well, are you dating? Nope. I said, well, but I'm not interested. She says, I'm going to give a five-year commitment to China, the people of China in translation. And I said, really? And I said, and you don't? She says, you know what? No, not really. And then I thought about it. You got a doctorate in linguistics? Yeah, you probably ain't much fun to hang out with anyway. Uh, no, I didn't. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. You're, you're, hang, you're into hanging participles? What's up with that? So, um, you know, I had an English teacher when I was in high school who she wasn't married either. But, uh, 
But, but I thought about that. This person, what is their mindset, their thinking process is on? The things of God. That person is uniquely gifted, okay, empowered by the person of the Holy Spirit for this focus. That's what's amazing about the Apostle Paul. What was his focus? You know, Paul, man, I mean, if you think about it truthfully, Paul lived his life at any given breath, the second coming of Christ was happening. I mean, any second, just boom, boom. So why trivialize getting married? Why? I mean, we could say, I do, and he did. And we're out of here. And so what? I'm not against marriage, nor is Paul against marriage. But if you live your life with the imminent, expected, confident, overwhelming knowledge that Christ is coming any moment, how important is marriage? Listen, I'm married. I am thrilled to be married. I love my family. But ask my family. Dad has an obsession, and it ain't us. <laughs> and, and I don't. But I want you to grab this because Paul says there is an empowering from God for singleness. For singleness. I've thought about it. A few years ago, my wife had a, a that time where we went through, and we weren't really sure. She had a something in her belly, and we couldn't tell what it was, and it looked like a tumor. We weren't sure what was going on. And so uh, we were going through the process of eliminating and diagnosing and all the rest of it. And we talked about it. What happens if something happens to her? I mean, we were discussing if it was, if it was cancer, do we do chemotherapy, radiation? What do we do? Da, 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 and all the rest of it. Very, very, very intimate, very difficult conversations. And, um, yeah, I remember going before the king. Lord, if you want me to do this thing from now on by myself. So be it. I can handle it because you will empower me. And then I was thinking about it. Would I date or anything like that? And and my heart, even to this day, says, no, why? I believe my wife is perfect for me. So anybody that I would grab a hold of afterward, I'd be going for imperfection. what she says i mean you know what do i get out of this <laughs> no but I, I look at it god gave me this woman and she's only perfect for me you know people say well you know if you meet with other people are you ever worried about you cheating on her no why i would have to go to imperfection to cheat on perfection that's smart Okay, you know, I've not been known for a lot of really brilliant things, but I have known if you got perfect, don't step down. Okay, so it's stuff like that that we got to pay attention to. And yet, if God says tomorrow, I want you single, that he will gift me for singleness. Well, that ain't a problem. I don't know if he's going to do it Josh, but... <laughs> but <laughs> well, hang, dude, don't you worry about it. Um, Paul is saying... Sure, it's normal to be married. I wish you could all be like me, though. And I know some of you may be sitting in this room today saying, why would I want to be like him? I couldn't stand being single. You ain't gifted. You're not gifted to. There's a gift. 
And that gift of being single, now hear me well, has nothing to do with dating or not dating. It has to do with not being consumed by lust. That is self-control. It isn't the overriding thing. Okay, the, the, the desire for the physical. Self-control of my mind will not allow lust to come in. It's impossible. Hear what I said. I want you to hear what I said. I, I use that word. It's impossible. Why? I have a gift from the Holy Spirit who empowers me for self-control so that that doesn't become an issue. He's not going to say, you know what, I'm going to make you single, but I'm going to see if you can handle the temptations. You can't. I've never met a human being who can. But I have met human beings who have bowed to the authority of who Christ is in their lives and who did and who are. Okay? It isn't just being single. Okay? Some people, that's a torture. I believe in the text and the lexiconical layout of it as it is written that if you are single, God has given you at this point in time an ability and the power of the Holy Spirit not to be consumed with lust because you are single at this time. The Apostle Paul was married. He became single. And he says, I would prefer you stay that way. How did he do it? It's that simple. Listen, men, I, I, you know, and I have to speak from a man's perspective because I are one. Um, <clears throat> I love to kiss my wife. She's just fun. That's that pleasure of the P. I'm allowed to. I give you six P's and one of pleasures. Kissing my wife. I like her to rub my, her, my hair. She fiddles with my hair every once in a while. I think that's cool. And I, you know, fine. You guys, not you, Phil. <laughs> Whoever did that to you, run away. Um, but uh, I, 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 that's just part of our relationship. I'm a physical person. Uh, I've showed you, most of you know that I like to hug people, uh, but I like my wife to hug me uh, and, and stuff like that. I enjoy my physical relationship with my wife. There's a part of me that says that it should I become single, how do I deal with that? How would I deal with the lack of that physical relationship? Well, I don't have to worry about that right now. Okay? But should that appear, then ask yourself this. I read, we read the text, Al read the text, I read the text, and it says, add by my what? Faith, add these things. What was the first one? Moral excellence to moral excellence. Knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control. Okay, so let's say, for instance, that I become single, a widower. All right, what would be the first thing that I'm going to have to evaluate? I just gave you the list. Come on now. Faith. All right, in that faith, I would look at moral excellence and then moral excellence, knowledge of Christ and the things of God. And then I could worry about self-control. Why? God would have already taken care of it. Paul says... I'm not married. I don't need to be. Okay? The gift to be single 
or the gift to never need a woman comes from God. Okay, if you don't have the gift, you can't imagine it. All right, right now, if you're married, you don't need that gift, do you? Okay, listen, I love my wife, I love my family, and I understand what Paul is saying. Look what he says. He would prefer that everybody be single. Why? Look at verse 32. Same chapter, verse 32. I want to be free from concern. One who is unmarried is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world and what? Ooh. His interests are divided. His interests are divided. I've had the privilege to do some traveling for the things of Christ, and I praise God for that. I've had a lot more offers that I've not taken. Why? My concern for my wife. To be gone from her, uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes I can take her, sometimes I can't take her. How do I please my wife? Okay, if you're married, there are certain things that you have to care about. All right, that you are mandated to take care of. You have to prepare, you have to take care of, uh, and you have to give time. And they are your wives, and if you have kids, kids. You don't get an option in that. That is something that will take time from you. Okay, but if you're single, those concerns are not there. So the things of my spouse or the things of my kid are non-existent problems or situations, or concerns. So what? I have the time that I would give to a spouse. I have the time that I would give to kids. What do you do with that time? You know, I know some who have a unique, have been uniquely gifted and blessed, but not everybody has it. There are people running around pouring themselves into other people, and they have the gift of singleness, and at this time, and they don't have any need for a spouse. Why? Because they are just flat out pouring in the person, 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 person. And they really, they don't have time for a spouse. To be honest with you, a spouse would go nuts. All right? Paul is saying to us, he's saying to the Corinthians, look, some people be single. Okay? If you have the gift, then be single. If you don't have the gift, then you got this preoccupation with sex. Then get married. Why? Because the norm is married. Get married. Find you a spouse, find a believer, and be married. I want to give you one last thing because the Lord Jesus Christ even taught on this, and it's, it's kind of amazing. I never really thought about this, but um, by the grace of God, he showed this to me. In the 19th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, <clears throat> he makes this statement. Verse 12. For there are eunuchs who are born that way from the mother's womb. And there are eunuchs who are made eunuchs by men. And there are also eunuchs who themselves, who made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Then he makes this statement. He who is able to accept this, let him accept it. He who is able to receive this, let him receive it. Okay, I have seen people, I have seen men and women, uh, I have seen some late in life, uh, become widow widowers and immediately marry again. Okay, I have seen some late in life um, uh, who became single and never even dated again. 
What's the difference between them? One was gifted, one wasn't. Listen, it isn't one is less or more than another. It's the gift. Okay? Please understand that. I'll deal with spiritual gifts when we get to that chapter. But spiritual giftedness, the Holy Spirit says, this is your gift. This is what I choose. You've got to understand that. And and you can't walk up to him and, and say, well, I don't want this one. Okay? Now listen, I can say that. I did it. When I, when I was, had to do that uh, preaching thing back in Memphis, and then they evaluate you, and they said, this is what you're gifted at? And I thought, gee, many crickets of all the things, that's not what I wanted. Okay, and then I thought, you know, I got to get on an airplane. I'm about to quit belly aching about God, huh? Okay, but he said, Here, this is your gift. And I thought, I didn't want it. Okay, now I know that none of you have ever been silly enough to say, God, you give me this gift and I don't want it. Um, But I did. All right. So I've seen many who have been able to stay single and rejoice in it. Um, And I also want you to know that it's a gift of the Holy Spirit. I've seen those who've gotten married and it's the grace of marriage and that's great too. Being singles means you can do certain things you otherwise can't do if you're married, period. All right. Here's what I want you to understand. Look back at your verse 7. Each man has his own gift from God. One is in this manner and the other is in that manner. But here's where he's coming out of. He's saying, I wish all men were even as I myself am. You know what he's saying there? God needs single people. That's what it's saying. Why? Because he makes some single. Okay? Thank God if you're single and have no desire for marriage. Praise God for that. Why? It is a gift from God. Use it. Use the gift. If you're married, that is the grace of God. Rejoice and be thankful. Praise God for it. If you're single, if you're married, live it up for the kingdom. That's what Paul is saying. Live it up. Why? Whether you're single, whether you're married, live it up. One has one, one has the other. To the Corinthians, to us, everyone has his own gift. You know what? The norm, most are to be married. Why? Because there's a lack of self-control. That's the norm that we exist in. If we're married... Don't deprive one another, except for a time of prayer, then come back together. Okay, if you're single and you have the gift, you have a gift of self-control to guard yourself. Totally give it over to the Lord and love it. Love it. Cherish the time. It should be a time of exuberance. But if you're married, that should be a time of exuberance too. And thank God. For the gift that he's given you, whether it is a gift of singleness or the gift of a spouse. Thank God. But my spouse, no, 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 no. You missed the text. It is a matter of what degree should I be thankful for my spouse. If you have a spouse, you should be overwhelmingly thankful for the spouse. Why? He kept you from impurity. But he doesn't cut the grass. That's fine. My wife doesn't like it when I cut the grass. 
I cut flowers too. I just cut. If it's green gross and getting tall, I kill it. It's my gift. Paul lays out a principle. Okay? First seven verses. Single, this is good. Married, this is good. And it depends on which God has designed for you. All right? And we'll see how it is applied beginning in verse 8 next week. Father, I give you the praise for this text. And Lord, the amazing things that you show us in this. Father, I want to lift up this body. Father, you have blessed us here with many fathers and many mothers. You have blessed us with husbands and wives. And yet, Lord, you've also blessed us with single people. Father, I thank you for, for both. But Father, I pray that you will lay upon the, the hearts of the men and the women who are in marriage the joy and the grace and the mercy that you have given them through their spouse. Father, for those who are single, Father, I praise you for them. And Father, I pray as, as a shepherd, as a, someone who overlooks that, Lord, that you would allow me to help them uh, to guard their mind in self-control. And yet, Father, as we direct them, and as we walk arm in arm, whether they are married or whether they are single, Lord, may we walk in a manner worthy of our calling. Father, to those you have blessed with singleness, we thank you this day. Father, for those you have blessed with marriage, we thank you this day. Father, we rely on your spirit indwelling us to give us the power and the ability to overcome. And Father, we praise you for this. Father, you are building your church. Father, you are equipping the saints. And Father, you are doing immeasurably more than we ever dreamed or imagined. And we praise you and we thank you in Christ our Savior. Amen.